2: Today on Salon Sluice, I have a true and disturbing story of a young girl, Alexia, who went missing in 1997. Her body has never been found, but her brave 13-year-old sister brought her justice and now needs your help to keep their mother and stepfather behind bars. Without your help, they could become your new next-door neighbors. Trust me, you don't want that. Listen to the end to see how you can help. Here is Sister Jessica... To tell her story. Let's go back to kind of the beginning. I did read at some point, you had a kind of a normal life until this moment. Is that right? I
3: mean, it was relatively normal up until she married Larry. I mean, my mother was never really around. Um, it was more my grandmother that took care of me. My grandmother was the only one who raised all of my mother's children. Um because my mom was too busy, like, with men, and alcohol, and all of those things. So she was around from time to time. But about when I turned... This all went to hell when I was about 12, and she married Larry. And we all went dealing deal with Larry when I was 12.
2: And do you think, is your mom mentally ill as well? as? And I know that they... It was mentioned that there was some drug use. Do you yeah. think there was... Well, obviously you're saying that your grandmother raised you. So there was some sort of disconnect way before Larry, but is it a mental illness or was it
3: more of a, did she have addiction problems before that? I don't think it's meant, honestly, I wish I could say it's a mental illness. Um, when she originally was arrested, they diagnosed her as bipolar, but as she's been in through the years. They took away all diagnoses from her, and she's not even on any kind of medication at all. Yeah. So she's just pure, narcissistic, evil woman. (laughs) Like, yeah, the drugs didn't help. Um, But no, it's all her. I just want to kind of paint a picture. So
2: when you were younger, before Larry, did you live with your grandmother, or you lived with your mom, but your grandmother mostly took care of you?
3: I lived with my grandmother, and my mother lived with us when she was, um, whenever she was not with another man. (laughs) Okay. Because technically, we all, technically, legally lived all together. Okay. She just wasn't around a lot. And then she found Larry,
2: and then you guys, she got married, and you guys all moved in with Larry. Yes. And then is that when things really started to go crazy?
3: That's when things got really bad. She was addicted before she met Larry. Like she was throwing down her with the drug addiction. Um, and he wasn't on drugs, which is really weird that he would like take up with a woman who was on drugs. when he was he was relatively stable, owned his own home, worked as a bus driver for twenty years, like was a veteran, all of those things. Um, you would think normal, nice guy. I don't know how I got caught up. I don't even know how they met. I just know one day she came home. She goes, I got married and we're moving in with him. Um, and we did. And things were okay for a little while. And then her addiction just kept getting out of control. He told her to go get help. He even kicked her out. But it only lasted a few hours. And then she came crying back. And he let her in. But all went to hell when she, they kicked my grandmother out. Because my grandmother was fed up with the treatment that and my sister were receiving. Yeah. She was like, I'm going to call the cops. We can't have these kids. I need to take them. And my mother lost it and kicked her out.
2: Then it gets bad. When does Larry start seeing that you guys are now demons? And and was he t- taking drugs at that point? Like, did he ever
3: take drugs? I believe he did. But he ended up getting injured on the job. Um, in all of his years working for the bus, as a bus driver, he never had an accident, nothing. But a few guys jumped... Like beat him up on the bus route that he was on when lot of a stop, so he was injured pretty badly, and he had to take off. He was only like disability, and with them together all the time, I don't know if she fed onto his like traumas from the war or what, or if he was just like on pain medication. It was just more light, more susceptible to whatever she said. Um, but they all of a sudden he was doing drugs with her, and they both were believing in these demons and vampires and all the crazy and they would talk about this stuff in front
2: of the two of you guys oh yeah oh yeah and what are you thinking because you're you're probably scared as children and your parents are accusing you of
3: being a demon um at this point i i hate to say but i would learned how to handle my mother and you just kind of go along with whatever she said yeah because even then, even if when I went along with it half the time, I'd still get like, hit or yelled at for it because you know, in that situation we could never do anything right. Um, even when it's exactly what she asked for. Yeah. But um, I just thought she was crazy. But the, after a while, living in a day in and day out and not being supposed to be outside world because it was summertime and we couldn't leave the house. And I, I don't know, maybe I didn't necessarily believe it. But I also was like, I thought to myself a lot to but my mom lied to me. Like, why would she make this up? Right. We just didn't know any better. and I mean, it didn't seem right, but I didn't have anything else to go by. You were a kid.
2: So then it gets really bad. And I only know what I read on the internet, but I kind of wanted to hear from you because I don't know what we can trust on the internet now. Like, it, what it sounds is like you guys were put into a bedroom. Is that correct?
3: Well, when it started to be really bad, um, we would be separated. I don't know exactly what they would do to her. But she was smaller and more susceptible to, you know, being abuse. Uh, but eventually it came down to them believing we were possessed with demons and vampires. And the way to rid of us, uh, us of that was to make us drink um, leech milkshakes three times a day for eight days.
2: Like, were they, like, real milkshakes or were they, like, insurers kind of milkshakes? Well,
3: real, real ice cream and it had, like, spices and bleat, lots of bleach in it. And we were forced to drink those three times a day. The first, like, day and a half, I was able to get us both to throw up. Like, I'd sneak off and take her to the bathroom with me and make her throw up. But they figured that out and then Larry beat me up for it. So they kept us separate after that. And then it just every day was new torture. I mean, she but bleached our ears, bleached our eyes. She cut off all my sister's hair. She watched me, made me watch as she uh, killed all the dogs that we had. It was a lot.
2: Were the dogs possessed as well?
3: I don't know why she killed them. She and okay. she just made me come outside. And I think it was a way just to mess with my head because she. I remember her saying. If you if you don't listen and if you're not good, this is what's gonna happen to you. Yeah. And drown each one of them in a bucket of bleach water. I wonder what was the obsession with bleach? I don't know. Um, in her parole hearing since then, she said she like saw it on the news that someone did an exorcism with bleach on their you know, child. Like she said she was Catholic and that's why she believed that. Wow. It just been making her laugh too. Because she also used to read the newspaper upside down or backwards and find codes in it.
2: Yeah. That's scary.
3: So then you're still going to school during this time, or what happened? Well, this is summertime. Um, okay. All well, this shit hit the fan in the summertime when I don't have access to school or anything. And eventually, um, the abuse was too much for my sister's body. I mean, you think about it. I was 13, I was a little overweight because I ate my feelings, so I was the size of an adult, and a five-year-old, 40-pound little girl was getting the same amounts of bleach that I was. Yeah. So it took a toll on her body, and they also did a lot of other things to her. I don't know why she hated her so much. I think it was a race thing, because she used to you know, call it racial slurs and stuff because she's half Chinese. Then I think, why'd you marry a Chinese man and have children with them? But that's here nor there. Um, and eventually my sister did pass and my mother did nothing just to even attempt to save her. And you
2: said, I thought I saw somewhere where they you saw your sister.
3: I did. They brought her out of the bathroom because they had her in the tub and they were apparently a little later they were using an enema bag to force the bleach down her throat she wouldn't drink it and at this point she was so lethargic and like in and out of consciousness i don't think she could have actually even wanted to um and eventually she just barbara brought her out of the tub and laid her on the hallway floor and from where i was in the kitchen i could see that and she's screaming and freaking out saying i think she's dead and larry's freaking out because he doesn't like a jail and then she gives her like one breath like a, like a half ass attempt to do cpr and then realizes it's not, nothing's happening and she just gets the biggest smile on her face and there was no more attempt after that and I we remember screaming at her like are you sure she's dead like call the ambulance like are you sure like because how do we know for sure like she, right. maybe she could have been saved. who knows uh, but of course I got in trouble for that so I got locked in my room and they put her in a trash bag and put her in our freezer that's crazy and then after that, after that it gets worse. It doesn't get worse. I mean, she's already dead. But after that, um, two days later, I was brought into their master closet, where I was forced to watch them dismember her and then burn her in our family fireplace.
2: Was that to scare you so you wouldn't you would just listen to them and like?
3: Yeah, because the whole time, Larry sat there with the gun, and they kept telling me to tell anybody if the cops asked. I was supposed to tell everybody that she was in Chicago with her birth father, but I stuck to that story for daring all the time. Did the abuse
2: to you stop after that or did it continue on along?
3: It stopped for like the physical abuse stopped for a little while. I still had the emotional back and forth and she would do things to make me feel horrible about myself and call me what names and all of that. But the physical stuff stopped for a while. And then I went back to school and it started up again. It was my eighth grade year. It started up again. And she was making me sleep outside of our shed, where the dogs used to live. And then um, in the middle of the night, one night she comes out and they pour bleach all over me while I am sleeping sleep in her shed, making me like marinating it for like hours, and then they come back and spray cold water all over me. So I did go to school that day. All day long, I'm like nobody says a thing, and I'm like, how can nobody smell me? Because I could smell me. I smell like bleach. I can not have a shower. My hair was literally like changing different colors as the day went on, and I had bleach stains all over the bottom of my pants. But nobody said a thing. I was in so much pain from the burns. Eventually, at the end of the day, I was like, if I don't tell someone and I go home, I don't think I'm gonna like I'm gonna die. So I finally told my went into my last period of class and I told my teacher right before class started that I was scared to go home and a little brief synopsis of what was happening. And then after class, um, obviously she called the authorities and the, the cops had to take pictures and then the hospital visit and all of that. Um, but that was the lead I was taken from it from the home and they
2: were arrested. What happened to you then? Did you go to your grandmother's or were you in foster care? What happened?
3: No, I had to stay in a receiving room, which is basically the glorified group home. It held seventy children, um, male and female, from the ages of two to um, seventeen. It's just a temp- supposed to be a temporary care to like in the foster home for the. Yeah. Did you go through a
2: lot of counseling during that time? Because, or, or you've shared this story so many times, you can do it without a lot of emotion. Or is it just that something that happened to you, and you don't like relive it every time? How do you how do you tell the story over and over and not feel it every time? Or do you?
3: Oh, um, I mean, now I feel it more so because I'm actually in therapy. I started therapy last January. Yeah. Before even during all of it, I cut every single emotion off. Like I didn't feel thin. Yeah. I think that was my survival. Like that's what my therapist tells me now. That's how I survived because. If I would let myself do something, I probably would have made bad choices and not. Yeah. Right out of it. For the longest time I could just say it like it's, it's like a movie like I watched. Like I'm just no emotion, no nothing. They even had to tell everybody that when I testified on the stand that when I talk about it, I have no emotion. And it's not that I'm not emotional. It's just that's how I survive. So they had to form a and on the jury and all of that before I talk.
2: Right, because you're so disconnected from all of it, just just a way to cope with it. I'm imagining you have to connect to know, to be able to go through that, really.
3: It worked. It worked for a very long time. They did try to make me do therapy when I was a teenager, but I was just too over and everybody they sent my way, I didn't like them. Yeah. It just, it didn't work. And then through my adult life, I never got therapy there until just Lisa Rue what's
2: it like for you now are you are you married do you have a family well,
3: i'm married well we're not legally married but we've been together six years we have three kids nice home Own my own business Like we're happy things are good
2: yeah that's amazing that you could do that and maybe that's because you were able to disconnect and but i'm glad you're in therapy now so i want to know what can listeners do to help you through this like i know that you want to get the word out what does it mean like what can we do as a society to make sure that they don't get out
3: um actually the public can write against um their release to the parole board i have all the information i could like send to you if you want to definitely send me that um so they can do that other than that i don't really know what else can be done? I mean, once the board decides, they decide. But I just want the story to be so wide known. So that way if they happen to do get out, they can't hide from it. Right. I want it to be. And
2: I mean, I wrote a book
3: and I published a book on it.
2: I downloaded that and I have I really wish it was an audio form because i like to walk my dog and then like listen to books. Um, but I have it on the Kindle right now.
3: Well, oh. I I was a but, and I sent it to my mother and Larry in prison, and I donated copies to the li- to the libraries in the prisons where they are.
2: Yeah, did you? Did they respond?
3: Or anything? No, because I had to send it through actual Amazon because yeah. they accept any packages like that books unless it's from an actual publisher or distributor. Right, I didn't know, so I wasted like so much postage sending it more than once. But um, I don't think my address was on the package so
2: so do they not know that it actually came from you but it was written by you
3: yeah i'm not sure because i don't know how they packaged it i know i did leave a little note of barbara saying enjoy your gift yeah wow because i just know she's in there lying with all these people that she's like to so dance with in there and i can't have that like
2: I heard that um, or read that they burned her body in the fireplace, like your home fireplace.
3: They did. Yeah. And people tell me, oh, that can't happen. I'm like, oh, if you, if you dismember a body well enough, it can happen. Yeah. Because I've had so many people me, it's not hot enough. It can't get hot enough. I'm like, well, when they're the consistency of oatmeal, you can burn anything in a fireplace. Yeah. I mean, it was a slow, long process. They had to do like literal small handfuls at a time to make sure they could burn the bones. Uh, there was nothing left. The so Lord,
2: have God. you been come by and try to find her? Like your grandmother, was she asking?
3: My what? grandmothers, I apparently did two different calls to the um, police and they came out and did a couple welfare checks. But each time they came out too, they never took me away from Barbara or Larry. So even if I wanted to tell the truth, it wasn't gonna happen. Yeah. How are you, you going to say, oh, yeah, I watched them do this while they're standing right there? I would have been dead. <laughs> so. I don't think the cops handled it that well. They should have found a way to, like, talk to me privately. Yes. I don't know if I would have said anything. That would have been a than right in front of them. I wonder if they
2: were on drugs, do they remember it? Like, like you do? Probably not. We all remember things different ways, but like, I did. do you think they thought they were actually doing something good, or do you think they were just evil? I
3: mean, I don't know about Larry, because I hadn't heard anything from him yet. Heard, you know, parole hearing. but Barbara says, I remember roles, like things like Larry's the one who finished her off, and she, Barbara was trying to help, but I don't like i'm not the one who's on drugs so i'm assuming my boundary is more correct than hers yeah but honestly every time she goes up her parole it's another person it's like fault it's never her fault so um i don't know i mean i'm sure the drugs changed how she moved things and maybe she really did think those things were happening but I also think that's a lot of crap because how do you plan such a perfect murder that if there wasn't an eyewitness, they would have gotten away with it.
2: Right. Eventually somebody would want to find her and know that she wasn't with her dad. I well, would you know, the truth would have come out
3: eventually. Possibly. I mean, her dad, her biological dad had never been in her life anyway. Didn't care here or there. Um, and my mother never put her in school. So it's like she never even really besides the few people seeing her in the neighborhood, like she didn't exist. It just seems like if it didn't come out when
2: it did, your life was probably in jeopardy,
3: yeah. I after before unfortunately, before my sister died, I didn't think they were capable of telling us. And then watching her die, I realized that obviously they're capable of it and if things hit the fan on next yeah but I had a long time where I felt so guilty for not doing more to help her but I literally couldn't leave that house yeah because if I left without her then what and if I tried to take her I usually like anytime I tried to do anything to help her I I used to get beat up but he was a decently sized man back then um well, again, you were just a kid. Yeah, my was not to use to phone, alone, and I couldn't, like, go outside. So there was no way I could have, like, gotten away until school started. And by then, it was already too late for her. And amazing that you do as well as you are right now. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it, it's your spite, honestly. Because could yeah. be forever how, well, you'll be pregnant in high school, and you'll never get an education. You're going to be nothing but a whore or this or that. So every time I accomplished something, even though I never told her because I don't talk to her, it still felt really good to stick it to her. Yeah. I just knew no matter what, I didn't want to be like huh.
2: Well, you've already accomplished so much more than she ever did. And, and, and I could, honestly. How do your kids now? I
3: have a 15-year-old, a 10-year-old, and I'm a 6-year-old. Do they know your story? Do they know what how- happened? They do age appropriately, of course. My um fifteen year old premature show she knows pretty much everything. The younger ones know that I have a really bad mommy who's in prison and that's the reason why that they don't have their aunt. But they don't know the details of how that
2: happened. Yeah. Do you use bleach in your house now?
3: For the many, many years I couldn't like I couldn't smell it. I would, like, get sick. It would be flashbacks. You do have it in the house for certain things, but I don't actually use it. If it needs to be done, my husband does it, and it's usually when I'm not around.
2: Yeah. I would imagine after going through that, that would be, like, one thing I don't know if I could. You've always said, you know, there's always something in your life that, like, you just can't stand. Yeah. And- I
3: got a lot better with it. I am with therapy and working on my triggers and stuff. It's a lot easier, but I actually I don't personally like to go use it myself. What was your sister's name? Alexia. And was
2: she six? Or was she five? She was five. That is so sad. And so you guys have different fathers. Yes. Yeah. Do you think that was? An, something to do with it? I mean, you did mention that a little bit earlier, but do you think that had something, or was it just that you guys were possessed? It had nothing to do with race or anything. It was more of, uh, there was something wrong with you guys.
3: I don't know. I, I I, lean more to the fact that we were girls. Okay. Because she sent my youngest brother, she gave up for adoption when he was like six weeks old. This is before all things went bad. Okay. Then my next brother, who's a year older than Alexia, um, he was around five and Alexia was four, he she gave him up to the adoption to the same um who has my youngest brother. So they grew up together, but he she sent him away because the boys were good and they were gods and they couldn't be around the demons. So us just being girls by default, we were screwed. How old was he when he was adopted out? Well, it was he either five or six. He was young. He was just a little bit older than Alex. Usually they're barely a year apart. Have you connected to those brothers at all? Um Chad, I learned on, like Facebook friends They'll read like message once every few months, but nothing in depth. He's got his own issues with like abandonment and women, which I guess I can see he didn't live through the worst of it, but he says owner, she's dealing with the fact that she just kind of sent him away. And then my youngest brother, I don't really know him. we we'll, talked we'll talk like one time and he's like vanished. He's off doing his own thing. He doesn't even talk to our, our brother. So I don't we'll know what to doing.
0: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify?
2: It's interesting that they would keep the demons and not like ship them off instead. Well, she thought she was God. Um. yeah. So she, I guess she thought she could fix us. That is so crazy. So yeah.
3: they, everybody was convicted at the same time as that or they had two separate trials. They did have two separate trials because she took a plea bargain. So we didn't go to trial for her. They um dropped basically all the torture abuse charges and gave her on um, murder one and she was sentenced fifteen to life. Larry swapped him down, he didn't do it, he had nothing to do with it, he went to trial, put me on the stand. Uh and I'm the only reason he's in prison because there was no body. Um but Jerry believed me, thank God, and what minimal evidence they did find. They find. Did they find any of the tools you said Oh. Nothing. Nothing. Bro, well, The FBI agent who worked on the case, he also wrote a book. And I learned so much from we, or chapter five in his book. And I didn't know that they literally found not a single piece of DNA that belonged to my sister in that house. Because well, it was so bleached, probably, right? Yeah, they they literally took the fireplace brick by brick. They took it apart, sent it to the lab in Quantico. Nothing, not a hair. Now, that's why I think that it wasn't really like she was mentally insane or anything. Cause how? How can you literally wipe a person who lived in a house for a year out? Like, take gone? the dark? Like it never happened. And she was never there. Cut her fit- pictures, face out of all the pictures, or a lot of toy. I mean, you would have never thought a kid lived there. And then, of course, there was no, like, the pruning saw and all the things that they used, um, those were t- tossed in the Sacramento River with um, her ashes. So by the time I told, it was months later, and they did try to drag the river to find anything, but there was nothing to be found at that time. Yeah. The only thing they were able to find to corroborate my story was the fact that when we went out in the nighttime to put her ashes in the Sacramento River, they had locked their keys in the car. It was one of those um, O.J. Simpson, Ford, Broncos, white ones. Yeah. My mom had to have one just because of that trial. That's how messed up she was. Um, So they locked the keys in the car and on the way back, they had to break the back window to get in to get the keys and they found the glass.
2: Okay.
3: So that corroborated that we were there, that glass matched that vehicle that was there. So that's really the only evidence they have tying to My story was actually the truth.
2: Wow. So there was nothing, only your story of what you told.
3: Yep. I'm sure they had a few little other days. Basically, they were out themselves out because once they were arrested for it, um, they started blaming each other. It was basically the same story, but each other did it. So it confirmed what I said. But in terms of actual like physical evidence to prove it, it was only that glass.
2: Wow! So, what was the book that the that detective wrote? Because I really want to get that and I want to read chapter five too. Is that right? That,
3: five? Yes, chapter five. I mean that book is incredible. I haven't finished it because it's really hard. Because each book is a different case he's worked. Yeah, it's true lights like. Yeah. So we should watch chapter five and then other cases and you know. But it's called "In the Name of the Children" by Jeffrey White. Okay, I'm gonna look for that. Yeah, it's, a, it's a tough read, but it's. I just want every time like a trial comes up or or, 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 her, or my sister's birthday comes up, I'll like Google to see if anything new is online about her. And last year, I found that book. But that book put it out for years, and I'm like, why didn't I find it before? Yeah. So then I got the book and I read the chapter and gave me a whole new perspective as to how hard they had to work to actually convict them. And then I messaged him on Facebook to thank him for including her and remembering her. And now he's a huge part of my life. And he goes to every parole hearing with me. And he speaks against them getting out. Like, it's like anything I can do to support you. Because he felt really bad about how he treated me when I was 13 because he was not nice. But I get it. I mean, he was trying to get answers out of me, but it was a difficult so interview.
2: He hadn't reached out
3: to you since then? He couldn't find me. Okay. Oh. And I guess he didn't want to use, like, the you know, cop ways of finding me to invade my privacy. Yeah. So he didn't go in-depth. I mean, he probably really could have, because he's a private investigator on the side now, could have found me Um, if he wanted to dig deep, but he didn't want to do that. But I reached out to him and so he was one of the
2: original investigators. Yeah, So all came out.
3: Yep. And then you remember him. I do. I remember the meeting because it was horrible. <laughs> he was mean. I remember cursing him out. He was the only one who ever made me cry.
2: Because he made you feel like you were doing something wrong, or
3: he made me feel so guilty, so guilty. Because he like it was a evil tactic, and even says it now. But he would be like. Who do you think your sister was calling for when she's dying or you were the one that took care of her, you were basically her mother, you need to like tell us where she's at and what happened, like all of these things and I lost it, like it, was, yeah. like it was not a pretty interview Wow But I get it, I mean he's trying to find it, hopefully a child that was alive and at that point I hadn't told him the story of what happened to her so he was trying to break me to find her before that happened to her But it was already too late. And it already happened. Right? Yeah. 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 I just didn't tell. I actually really didn't even tell until they put me up to a lie detector machine. Yeah. For what I was like, well, or they knew I was lying, but now they have proof I'm lying. So might as well tell the story now. And I, I do that all the time because I was terrified that if nobody believed me and they sent me home, I was going to die.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. When you left the school, you went into custody of some sort. Yeah. What did you ever talk to your mom after that ever?
3: I, I don't remember it. I, I blocked it out, but apparently they put me on the phone with her to try to get me to, um, get her to confess to what she did. And they recorded the call, but she never gave herself up. Yeah. I don't remember that call at all. Wow! And then like, you, have you ever talked to him at all? No, I've never talked to him. Never written him. Knew nothing about him until the last hearing, well, the attempted hearing back in May. And then what I did learn made me change my mind because for a little while I was like, you know, if he's seventy-five, it'll like if he gets out, I don't think he's gonna come bother me. So I wasn't too worried. Like, per se, of him being released. Do I want him out? Not necessarily, but it wasn't, like, causing me anxiety. But then I heard he hasn't done a thing to better himself in prison, not a single class. And when they did his um, risk assessment, because they do that before they go to parole um, with a therapist, he wouldn't even call my sister by her name. He kept referring to her as that girl. If you can't even give my five-year-old sister who died in your house the respect of using her name... I don't want you out. Like, even if he had nothing to do with it, like, it was a child who died. Yeah. I, what does that mean when they can't even, it's maybe. Squares up and down these he still not do it. Maybe he believes in his own head that he had nothing to do with it. That's... I mean, I don't know. That's why, you know, he's coming up for parole on November 1st husband thinks he'll die before then because he is really ill (laughs) which but i kind of want him to make it because i want to hear what he has to say and i want to say my piece um and then after that i don't care if he dies or not
2: do you have any scars now still from the like physical
3: yeah um no not anything that you guys should see on my body i do have like vision problems and hearing problems like not bad obviously but Mild hearing loss and some vision problems um, from the bleach in my ears, ears and my eyes. Um, I do have genetic issues that the doctors believe were progressed to worse stages due to having to drink the bleach or that kidney disease, which was genetic, but the bleach filtering through my system pushed it into overdrive. So I'm going to have some things, but nothing that's going to kill me or be visibly seen on my body. When you were forced to drink the bleach,
2: but you knew it was in the milkshake, did you just refuse it? Or did you drink it and then throw it back up like every single time or?
3: The first time I, I refused to come out and drink it. So Larry punched me in the face and gave me two black eyes. So I drank it. And then for that first, probably day, day and a half, I was able to sneak away and throw it up. But then they figured out we were doing that. So they kept us separate and they kept us away from the bathroom. So you had to drink it.
2: Yes. And because she was so much smaller, she just couldn't do it. She couldn't that's crazy. I didn't even know you could survive by drinking any bleach, honestly. And I mean I hate even working with bleach because I am the type that gets it all over my other clothes that I didn't want to bleach. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm like I I mean I
3: couldn't even imagine. And there's just the smell can burn nose, like Imagine yeah. what it feels like going down. So they were just trying to
2: claim you of your demons, I guess. So oh, that's what better. they said. I think they just enjoyed the torture. Yeah, it's true. So it's not even like, it, I mean, it's a true fear if they get out that they would try to bind you, but it's more of a true fear that they could hurt somebody else, really.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't... They're unsafe people. Yeah, they're unsafe people. I don't want them out but I also don't want Barbara out because I know her and she will come try to find me and try to manipulate us into being a family because that's what she's said multiple times over the years at different hearings and I used to write her when I was like 19, 20 because it was really good therapy to like just tell her off but she'd come back with all this crazy stuff about how we're going to family again and all of these things so I had to cut that off but my biggest fear is she comes near me near my daughter's I'm going to shoot her <laughs> like, yeah, I can't have her near my kids. But my biggest fear, though, is if she comes here, finds out where I live, then I'll be like frozen in time and be that thirteen-year-old kid who can't fight back. More so, you know, I don't want to rob me, but really, my kids. It's so crazy that you lived through this
2: experience and you seem to be doing so well.
3: Yeah, a lot of people ask me that like, why aren't you crazy? Or why aren't you a drug addict? And I've thought of that a lot. And honestly, it was a choice. Yeah. Could be it probably, that way, but... Would it probably have been easier to just become a drug addict and not have to actually live through all of that and deal with it? Maybe. But I also know I wanted more of what I never had.
2: Yeah, for sure. I feel the same way. You either get, you go right where you came from, or you do the opposite. Right, like you become like a, the a person. opposite, here.
3: right? <laughs> like, you're the mom that you wanted.
2: Yeah.
3: I mean, I'm working on it. I, I had my moment. Uh, that's one of the biggest reasons why I took therapy because I found myself starting to lose my cool too much and yell and I started sounding like her.
2: Yeah.
3: And as soon as I started sounding like her, I was like, nope, we got to not fix this because we're not doing that to the kids, so. Well, it's so hard because that was,
2: I call it your foundation, like, the the stuff you were built on and like you know your foundation are your two parents that started you right and then there's just things in us that are part of who we are as like the foundation of who we are and they just what so when you met like your your boyfriend husband um did he know who you were did he know the whole story or how did that come to be for
3: no, we met when I was living in an apartment complex and who was the maintenance man there. We just became friends first. And then eventually I felt comfortable enough sharing my story and never about it I, Like it didn't change our problem. Yeah. Which sometimes it does when I tell people they're like stand off They're when do they think I'm gonna come do something crazy too or kudos. Um it's worked out. Where do you, like, whereabouts? Not, you don't have
2: to tell me exactly. Like, what state are you in? Well, I'm in Pennsylvania. Okay. Well wow, you, because you,
3: it was California, wasn't it? Yes. Well, I originally moved to New Jersey when I turned, well, I was early 20s to, um, know, be me, know my biological father and inside of the family. Yeah. So I did. I packed up everything when I was, like, 21 years old and, uh, trucked it on over. Like, got to know my dad for a while and his wife and my aunts and uncles and stuff. And I'm still in contact now with my aunts and cousins, but not my father. What happened there? Do you want to talk about that? And he's an alcoholic debt. Yeah. And we chose alcohol and his wife over being there for me and my daughter when I had my first daughter. Like, he, I was as soon as I told him I was pregnant, the first thing out of his mouth was it better not be a black baby. I'm like, When does it matter? So that really turned me off because I'm not like that and like it doesn't matter as long as we're happy, I don't care. Um Then I gave birth and I called him and they literally didn't even come to the hospital to meet his first granddaughter because they wanted to go to Sonic. Yeah. And then I finally get him to come out and meet her without his wife. And I was living in was a roommate at that time and he held her for like five minutes, gave her back, and then all of a sudden he's off of my roommate getting high in our bedroom. So after that I was like, you know what, I'm not I'm not dealing with this. So when she had her first birthday party, we did a combo birthday with my cousin because her cousin had a son, same birthday just three years apart. So we did a combination birthday and we just didn't invite them and he lost it and he said that um, I was ungrateful and all of these things and I was just like said so you didn't do enough to make our relationship work. I'm like dude I live 3,000 miles away to make this. You're a kid. He's the <laughs> like, period. That's so, so crazy. That thing. You know it's funny and like given the benefit of the doubt and I kind of gave him for being the man child that he hears. Any letter that he ever received while I was in foster care he threw away, he never opened it because he assumed it was Barbara trying to get more child support. So he could have saved me from going through foster care, and he did Well, you wouldn't, I don't, it
2: sounds like you were, it wasn't a good spot for you anyway.
3: No, I mean, it was really nice to get to know all these aunts and uncles and cousins I didn't even know I had. Yeah. Um. So that was great, and they're still part of our lives. But for him, uh,
2: what about Alexia's uh, biological father? As
3: far as I'm aware, he's still alive. I think he's in his late 70s and I think probably still lives in Chicago area. Um, but he's was never really a part of her life. And he, he must know the whole story. And- he knows what happens and apparently he still has correspondence with Barbara. They like white each other and they're friendly and Barbara does that to use people she's probably getting money or something from him wow that's crazy yeah I mean why I mean if my ex-wife killed my daughter I don't think I'd be writing her and visiting her in prison absolutely not that is insane I guess she picks some winners for men because look at my dad alcoholic the next one's in prison with her and then the other one is a child molester and goes to visit her in prisons. <laughs> Are you a complete non-drinker? Well, I drank, but not often. Like I will have maybe two or three drinks twice a year, like socially. And if people don't like to drink or I'm afraid of becoming addicted, it's more because of my kidney disease. <laughs> yeah.
2: Is the kidneys related to the bleach or it was extra, or what do they call it when it got worse because of the bleach?
3: we believe it was exacerbated because of the bleach. I had polycystic kidney disease, which is genetic. It happened, you know, it is what it is. Um, but I, they think the deterioration of the kidney and me needing a kidney removal was just a hell of a lot faster than it should have been because of the,
2: the bleach. That's
3: crazy.
2: Who had that? Was it your mom or your dad?
3: Um, Christian was on my dad's side of the family because my um aunt on his side had it. I'm so sorry you had to go through this.
2: I mean, you were just a kid. And it put you put so much um like it's like you could have done this. You could you could have done anything. You were just a kid.
3: Yeah, I'm learning that now. Therapy's really helped. The EMDR therapy, I thought it was a little crop like a of shit. When I first started, but I didn't want to do just top therapy because I tried that a long time ago and I'm like, I don't think that's gonna work. The dot .EMD therapy, EMDR, I was terrified. Yeah. But it's helped a lot. What is that kind of therapy? What is it? It's where they you can either do it with sounds. I I choose to do it where I hold these little um handheld like almost looks like ear pod chantators. Um, and they vibrate and they go back and forth in your hands. And we'll put you into a memory and he'll ask you questions about said memory. You close your eyes and then for so like forty seconds you think and you relive it basically. And then those the paddles are like going back and forth in your hand with a little vibrations and it's supposed to retrain your brain waves and different thought patterns. Yeah. And it really works. Like <laughs> it, it really helps like It's really weird. I didn't think it would he's like, Well, we're gonna turn a lot of these negatives into a positive. And I'm like, How? Like there's no way. But it's true. Like, you know, I used to really put myself down and felt I didn't do more to save her. But then he's like, Well, you did. You helped her throw up. You did these things and then you got beat up for it. So like you did what you could. And then like telling the truth and going to trial and facing them. So it really does switch your way of thinking about the events that happened
2: well and, and if all of this happened while you were at school you would have saved her probably and purposely yeah. did in the summertime when they could sec- make you guys secluded and you couldn't so you had no help you like the people that were supposed to protect you totally failed yeah. and they definitely failed her yeah that's hard to put that much stress on yourself when you uh, I couldn't imagine.
3: Yeah, I I'm that you're doing so well, though. Thank you. I mean, it's been a little hard road. I mean, I have some bumps in the roads. I suffered from, like, postpartum depression with my first daughter.
2: I'm sure the anxiety of, like, am I going to do the same thing? Or not the same thing, but will I fall into some of those same patterns? Will
3: I it was like, I'd be it a was, good... It was a mess. I mean, but yeah. I, I probably should have been on, like, medication before that, but I just didn't. So I do take an antidepressant now and anti-anxiety and keeps everything even and keel, and be able to process emotions more effectively now.
2: Yeah. Well, you sound like you're doing great, honestly, a, a lot more than some people I know yeah. who have been through this kind of trauma. Yeah. Uh, I just want to thank you for sharing the story. It's incredible. It, I mean, it's it's like you just told me a like a normal story but yeah. it was a tragic event it's so insane and I feel so bad for your sister but I also truly believe in afterlife and I feel like she's probably totally fine now.
3: Oh, I know well, it's not probably she is fine it, she she's thinks with my bad. grandmother and everybody's yeah. all
2: happy at her. and she will see her again I just I mean for them to not paint anything in the house and still was able to convict them. And the glass, I mean, for you to even remember those little things to tell them. Thank you so much, Jessica, for meeting me.
3: Thank you for sharing me and sharing my sister's memory and our story. Cause it's a really big deal to me. Like you said, nobody really knows about it. If you want to get involved and write
2: letters to keep these dangerous people in prison, here is the information that you need help. Public response is allowed. Larry has his parole hearing on the 1st of November. In the letter to the parole board, Larry should be identified as Larry Carrasco, C-A-R-R-A-S-C-O. And then his identification number is P, as in Paul, 72561. To ensure the correct filing in the letter, public comment to any person may submit the information to BPH concerning any offender. When deciding whether to release an offender on parole, the BPH considers all information received from the public. Written comments should be directed to the classification and the parole representative at the prison where the proceeding will be conducted. Those comments will be included in the offender's central file and will be considered in all future hearing panels. Communication opposing an offender's release on the parole board on release on parole may be placed in the confidential section of the central file. The names and addresses of those writing are considered confidential Mule Creek State Prison, Attention, Classification, and Parole Representative. P.O. Box 409099 Loan, L O N E, California 95640. Barbara's hearing is tentative for December 2025. Her letters can be sent to Barbara Carrasco, C A R R A S C O. Her identification number is W. 85611 Central California Women's Facility, Attention, Classification and Parole Representative, P.O. Box 1501, Chowchilla, California, 93610-1501. Thank you for listening.